We've been talking about the people that Jesus touched. And this is the third week I've been on this, and I'm just, I'm just looking through the Bible. And when you read through the New Testament, through the Gospels, you see that all Jesus did was touch people and change their lives. That's that Jesus. I dealt with somebody um, yesterday who had been told that um, Muhammad and Allah were the same as God and Jesus. And I said, no, 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 no. Because you, you read what Jesus did. Uh, the Bible says he went about everywhere doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. And so we're, we're just kind of tracking people that Jesus touched and, and what he did and how they received that touch. Because today I want us to have an encounter with God. You didn't come to church to see somebody's new dress or new suit because we don't wear suits. No, <laughs> kidding. <laughs> Very few do. But you came to church to see Jesus. Amen? You came to church to hear about Jesus, be touched by Jesus, worship Jesus, learn about Jesus, and grow in Jesus. That's why you came. Right? So if it's okay with you, I'm going to preach Jesus up and preach the devil down. Is that okay with you? All right. So Mark 10, 46, let's read a story, beautiful story, one of my favorites in the Bible, Mark chapter 10, verse 46, and so they reached Jericho, that is Jesus and the disciples, and later as they left town, a great crowd was following. Now it happened that a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road as Jesus was going by. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus from Nazareth was near, he began to shout out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The crowd said, shut up. You ever notice when you start to seek Jesus, there's a few people around you that are going to say, shut up. Stop it. But some of the people yelled back at him, shut up, shut up. But he only shouted louder. That's what I like about Bartimaeus. He couldn't be shut up. He only shouted louder again and again, oh, son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped there in the road and said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. You lucky fellow. This is the living Bible, by the way. You lucky fellow, they said. Come on, he's calling you. So Bartimaeus yanked off his old coat, flung it aside, jumped up, and came to Jesus. Verse 51, Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? How many of you wish the Lord would look right at you today and say, what do you want me to do for you? Can I shock you with something? That is what he's saying. Oh, yeah. Now, let's go on. Oh, teacher, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, all right, it's done. Your faith has healed you. What a story. Father, thank you for your blessing on the word of God today. Open our eyes like you opened Bartimaeus' eyes. Help us to see the truth and grow thereby. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, perk up. You're going to need this. Amen. Now, we've seen so far in this series on the people that Jesus touched, that Jesus healed first uh, a man with a withered hand. And we, we looked at that and we talked about that. 
Then the second person we looked at was the woman with the issue of blood. That was last week. And we talked about how Jesus healed the man with withered hand and the woman with the issue of blood. Now today, we're going to look at this blind Bartimaeus because he healed his eyes. Now again, let me just tell you that if you want to know what Jesus did, what he was like, the Bible tells us what he was like. It says, if you followed Jesus, remember that old Beatles song, A Day in the Life? Some of you don't even know who the Beatles are, but I'll... uh, They sang a song, A Day in the Life. I'm not recommending you go listen to the Beatles. I'm just saying, if you you had watched A Day in the Life of Jesus and tracked him for a day in his life, here's what you would have seen. Jesus gravitated to the hurting, the broken, the desperate, the shattered, the hopeless. He gravitated to them like like, like a magnet to steel. And he healed them. He went about everywhere doing good. Acts 10.38. He went about everywhere doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. That word oppressed from the Greek language means to treat harshly. The devil, if you're messing with him, following him, um, bound to him, I'll tell you one thing about him. He's treating you harshly. He's a hard taskmaster. He's cruel. He has no compassion, no mercy, no love, no care. The more you cry, the better he likes it. That's the devil. But not my Lord. My Lord is not harsh. He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But so Jesus went around delivering people everywhere who were being treated harshly, cruelly by the devil. And he set them free. Now, when we look at blind Bartimaeus, we note this, that Bartimaeus has been reduced to begging by his affliction. We don't know if he was born blind or not. The Bible doesn't tell us. But he was blind, totally blind. And this affliction had reduced him to begging. The man with the withered hand, remember, he could not work because he had no hand to do manual labor, which is what they did in those days. The woman with the issue of blood had no energy, no strength. She was reduced to begging. And here, blind Bartimaeus, by his affliction, his whole life has been changed by this negative thing that has happened to him. He's lost his sight, and now he's begging. He has no quality of life. Not any. Uh, uh, The name of the game for him is survival. Survival. Just to get up every day, go to the roadside, feeling your way to it, sitting down at the roadside, holding out a tin cup, and asking for spare change, depending on the the mercy and the pity of people. If he was not born blind, then he was remembering every day what it was like to see and what he had lost, the gift of sight. So his life has been changed by by this affliction that was treating him harshly and cruelly. Little did he know, one particular morning when he got up, readied himself to go out to the road and do the same old, same old all over again, that this would be the day that radically changed his whole life. You never know what God's going to do any given day. This could be the day that he does something in your life and you are never the same. I said, this could be the day. See, I'm believing God that we're gonna have an encounter with God today. 
I didn't come to preach me up or the name of a church up or a denomination up. I came to preach Jesus up. And I want to tell you that when you have an encounter with Jesus, who knows how radically it's going to change your life. Because nobody that came into contact with Jesus was ever the same again. Now, going, getting up, going down to the roadside, he starts his begging. And then he starts to hear something. He starts to hear that Jesus Christ is coming down the very road he's begging on. Coming his way. Jesus is about to pass by. It's so important that we respond when Jesus passes by. Amen? Now, I, I see some things that happen in Bartimaeus' faith that I want to point out today because I see four stages his faith went through that brought him to his ultimate healing and a completely revamped, renewed, changed, radically altered life for the good. Four things his faith went through. And I want you to follow it very carefully because this is happening to some of you today and some of you watching online and some of you listening later on radio as I begin to share from the word of God, not Jeff's words, the word of God, something is gonna happen to you. And here's the first thing that happened. His faith was ignited when he heard about Jesus. On hearing about Jesus, his faith was ignited. The Bible says, says when Bartimaeus heard, when he heard, everybody say heard, that Jesus from Nazareth was near Something happened to him. He began to shout out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. So the whole thing, his whole life being changed began with hearing about Jesus. Hearing about Jesus. Do you remember when you first heard about Jesus? Do you remember how there was a difference in that name? There was something powerful about that name, mighty about that name. The Bible says that, the, that, that faith comes, sprouts, rises, is ignited when we hear, when we hear the word of God. The word of God is not any normal word. It's quick and it's powerful. That means it's living and it's alive and it's powerful. And it's sharper than a two-edged sword. It pierces to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and the marrow. And it discerns and exposes and reveals the inward motivations and thoughts of our heart. It, it is an x-ray machine. It is a light it is, it is like turning on a light in a room. I've turned on a light today. Right now, as I quote from the word of God, a light is on. It's a light. That's why people that live in the darkness, they don't want to hear the word of God. That's why our culture has banned the word of God and represses the truth of God because they don't want the light shining on what they're doing. It's a light. And, and, and so here's Bartimaeus and what did Jesus say? He said, I am the light of the world. He that follows me will not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And so Bartimaeus, he hears the name Jesus. And something began to happen in him. His faith was ignited. Faith comes from hearing. That is hearing the good news about Christ, Romans 10, 17. But, but, but as I read this and as I studied, I realized that Bartimaeus had probably already heard about Jesus. For instance, did you know that Lazarus had been raised from the dead in his hometown, in his neighborhood, just shortly before this happened to him? 
So he had heard, no doubt about it, that some man that had been in the grave for four days had gotten up and walked out because Jesus called him out. He had heard about that. And and we, we see that Bartimaeus calls Jesus the son of David, while the crowd only calls him Jesus of Nazareth. The crowd knew where he was from. Bartimaeus understood who he was. It's one thing to know where he's from. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's from the Middle East. Oh, yeah, Bethlehem. Oh, yeah, uh, Mary had a little lamb. Fleece was white as snow. Yeah, Christmas, every year we talk about him being in Bethlehem. But see, it's when you know who he was. They knew where he was from, but Bartimaeus had already connected the dots because he knew that the Old Testament prophets called him the son of David. In the New Testament, he's called the son of David 17 times. So Bartimaeus, without being able to see, he's heard about what Jesus did, raised the dead. He's heard that he's done miracles, multiplied the bread, and many of the things Jesus had done. He's heard about all this. He knew something about what the prophets in the Old Testament had predicted Messiah would do. So he's already connected the dots. So to him, he starts calling out with a knowledge of who he is. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I know who you are. You're the fulfillment of what God spoke over David. Yours is going to be the kingdom that is an everlasting kingdom. I understand who you are. And since I know who you are, I know you can do something for me. So when he first heard about Jesus and all that he was doing, a little, a little flicker of faith began to come alive in his spirit. But it was fanned into a flame when he heard that Jesus was coming down the very road he was sitting on and begging on. Jesus, literally, who he now understood to be Messiah, was going to walk right past him. Wow. Now it's worth noting that faith is not ignited. Faith for miracles is not ignited when you hear the name Muhammad. Faith for miracles is not ignited when you hear the name Buddha. Faith for miracles and faith for power from God is not ignited when you hear any one of the thousands of the gods of Hinduism's names. No, faith is ignited when you hear the name of Jesus. That's when faith is ignited. Faith is ignited. Jesus, there's power in the name of Jesus. There's healing in the name of Jesus. There's peace in the name of Jesus. There's strength in the name of Jesus. There's deliverance in the name of Jesus. There is victory in the name of Jesus. There is salvation in the name of Jesus. So, so first thing that happened, and it's happening with some of you right now, his faith was ignited. When he heard the name of Jesus, suddenly for this blind man on the roadside begging, there was hope. Then second, we see that his faith, once it was ignited, it expressed itself. It brought action. It moved him. I want to contend today that you can't have Bible faith and not cause it uh, to put a, a step, a step, a step in your life, taking a step forward, a step towards God, a step towards Christ, a step towards an answer, a step of faith. Faith will move you. Faith is a verb. And it says, 
his faith began to express itself once it was ignited. He began to shout out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Shut up. I'm not going to shut up. I'm going to shout louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. His faith, faith will move you to take action. Faith will move you. You cannot have the faith God gives and sit there on your blessed assurance. It's going to move you. I think it's interesting. The word shout from the Greek is, is, is used elsewhere to describe a raven's piercing cry. It means to cry out loudly with an urgent, are you ready? Scream or shriek. Shouting with deep emotion. He wasn't sitting on the roadside going, uh, uh, Jesus, hey, who, over here. Oh, no. He, folks, let's go there. Let, let's go with what the word tells us. This man started screaming. This man started screaming out in faith. Let, let's put another word to it. He started shrieking in faith. You could not ignore him. He would not be ignored. He started screaming out a raven's cry. It, it was like a piercing cry. It was the cry of faith. Faith cries out. Faith calls out. Faith steps out. When faith is ignited, it will express itself with boldness and intensity. Ignited faith will call out to God. Do you remember the day that faith dropped into your heart? You heard the gospel and faith was dropped into your heart and you began to call out to God to save your soul. It might have been as simple as, Lord, help me. You know, help is a powerful prayer. God hears that cry. All right? Unbelief carries us away from God. But faith moves us toward God to approach God with the confidence that he's hearing us. Listen to what John said. This is the confidence. Everybody say confidence. Not, not the uncertainty. He didn't say this is the uncertainty that we have towards him. He said this is the confidence we have towards him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. He hears us. He's not, he's not deaf to our cry. Because we're going to see in a minute that Jesus heard the cry of faith above all the clamor of the crowd. He picked out the cry of faith. Just like he picked out the touch of the woman with the issue of blood. All kinds of people were touching him. But when faith touched him, it drew power out of him. And he knew this touch was different from all the rest of the touches the crowd are touching me with. And the cry of faith is the same thing. A lot of people cry out. They say religious things, do religious things, speak religious words. Speak some mantra, some, you know, memorized prayer that they know. But when it's the cry of faith, it is heard by God above all the clamor of all the voices that are speaking out. God hears the cry, the call of faith. Listen to what John went on to say. And if we know, everybody say no. If we know, if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. 
I know, I know. Christianity is not a hope so, maybe so, perhaps so faith. It's a no so. It's not arrogant to say that you know something. I know I'm going to heaven. I don't wonder about it. I don't question it. I know I'm going to heaven because I fully believe in the blood shed on the cross for me. I know I'm going. God wants to move us from a maybe so, perhaps so, hope so, well, we'll see kind of faith to one thing I know. If I'm praying according to the promise of God, I know I have it. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and upbraideth not, James wrote, and it shall be given him. Only let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like the wave of the sea, driven of the wind and tossed. Let not that man or woman think they will receive anything from the Lord because the, the uncertain man, the doubting man is unstable in all of their ways. So th- there is a knowing when we're resting on the promises of God. So if I pray according to his will, I know, I know he hears me and I know I have it. It may take time, but it'll get there. Even though it doesn't arrive in time and space for a while, doesn't mean it's not there. Invisible doesn't mean non-existent. And you know what? Nothing happening is sometimes the surest sign something is happening in the spirit world. Oh, did he get answered? Because the Bible says, Jesus stood still. Well, I could preach those three words for the rest of the day. Jesus stood still. It says, so Jesus stood still. The cry of faith got him, and he turned, and he said, go get that blind man. He commanded him to be brought to him. Jesus stood still. Now, let me tell you, did Jesus have all kinds of time on his hands? Well, he was at that very moment leaving Jericho to go to Jerusalem. He was a little over a week away from Palm Sunday, his terrible crucifixion and his glorious resurrection. Barely over a week away, but Jesus stood still. He had places to go, things to do, more than any man that ever walked the earth. But Jesus had time for the cry of faith. So you got to be careful you don't say to yourself, oh, yeah, I believe God answers prayer. He answers prayers for the Christian superstars and the ones that are way out there in the limelight. But he doesn't know about my struggle in my little neck of the woods, in my little cubby hole. He doesn't know about my struggles with money or my kids or my marriage or these temptations that I'm having because I'm a nobody. I'm just in the middle of nowhere. I'm a nowhere man. No, I have not been listening to the Beatles lately because that's the second song of theirs. I, it just came into my head. But watch this now. We, we tend to say, well, but he doesn't see me. He doesn't know about me. But I want you to notice, who was blind Bartimaeus? He was a beggar on the side of the road. I guarantee you, he didn't look great either. He, and, and yet, Jesus stood still for him. God the Son stopped in his tracks. The creator of the universe halted his journey at the cry of faith. So the minute you look up and you say, Jesus, I'm standing on your word. I need this, I need that. I'm turning to you. I'm in this predicament. I need an answer. I need a breakthrough. He hears you. 
Then next, I, I think we're about to just, when we come to the end of the story, I think we're getting to what may be the most important part of the story, and that's not the healing of his eyes. No, the more I read it, the more I started thinking, I don't know that the healing of his eyes, at least, at least what I'm about to share with you is equal to the healing of his eyes. Because his faith, first his faith was, was quickened, then his faith was moved to action, and he cried out. But here we're seeing his faith moved him to do something else. <clears throat> he got rid of hindrances, anything that would stop him from getting to Jesus as quickly as he could. Because look what it says. Bartimaeus yanked off his old coat and flung it aside. Then he jumped up and came to Jesus. You know what he was saying to himself? I don't, I don't want this old coat on me anymore because you know what? This old coat is going to slow me down. The Messiah of the world has just called for me and there is nothing that is going to stop me from getting to him post haste. Listen to the verse in Hebrews. Since we have such a huge crowd of men of faith watching us from the grandstands of eternity, let us strip off anything that slows us down or holds us back. And especially, especially those sins that wrap themselves so tightly around our feet and trip us up. Notice that Bartimaeus did what the writer of Hebrews exhorted all believers to do. And that is strip off anything that slows us down or holds us back. Jesus has said, tell him to come here. Tell him to come here. And I want you to notice, Jesus didn't go to him. Jesus didn't say, well, he's blind, so I need to go to him. No. Jesus said, you tell him to get up and come to me. <laughs> wow. Because now, just like the man with the withered hand was said, hold it out in front of everybody. And when he held it out in front of everybody, when he held out his problem, his affliction, his embarrassment, his shame in front of everybody, it was healed. And now Jesus is saying, blind Bartimaeus, get up and come to me. But, but Lord, I'll have to feel my way through the crowd. I'm telling you, as you are, get up and come to me. Just as I am, without one plea, but that your blood was shed for me. He said, you get up and you come to me, Bartimaeus. You get up and you come. Now, here's what I learned about real faith. That anytime you start moving towards Jesus, there's going to be obstacles. Uh, the woman with the issue of blood had to press through a crowd to get to him, to touch the hem of his garment. Bartimaeus is now going to have to press through a crowd without having any sight. He's going to have to feel his way through a crowd. So I see that Bible faith will press through any obstacle. It'll obey any command. Uh, it'll suffer through any humbling in order to get to Jesus. That's Bible faith. Bible faith says, I don't care what people think. I don't care what people do. I'm not worried about my reputation. I've got to get to Jesus. I'm going to get to Jesus. And anything that's going to slow me down, I'm going to ditch it. I'm going to get rid of it. I've got to get to Jesus. So powerful. Now, I believe this is probably the most, is equally as important as the healing of his eyes. 
This putting off of his coat, because it's so meaningful. Why is it so important? Let me just talk about the, the natural part, uh, the practical part. That cloak was likely his most valued possession. It may have been the most expensive and valuable thing that he had in his whole life. A cloak in those days served as a coat, a pillow, a blanket, a bundle for belongings, and was the means for Bartimaeus to catch coins thrown his way. It protected him and the worldly things that he valued most, that cloak. And he, and he threw it down. But see, to me, there's more to it than that. The cloak represented Bartimaeus' old life as a beggar and a cripple. He knew, his faith let him know, you're never going to be the same. Your life is about to be totally changed. It's going to be more than your eyes being opened. You're about to have a totally changed life. You're never going to be a beggar again. Come on, everybody. This will preach. This will really preach. And throwing away that cloak that represented his old life as a beggar and a cripple Bartimaeus was saying this. He was making a statement. He was saying, I'm never coming back to this old life. I will never return to this old life. Something is telling me that this man, this Messiah, this son of David, is not only going to open my eyes, but I intend to follow him the rest of my days. I'm never going to return to the life of a beggar again. How many of you can say, I'm so glad I'm never going to go back to the life I had before? I'm never going to go back to being a beggar. I'm never going to go back to serving sin. Come on, everybody. Say with me, never going back. Say it again, never going back. See, that's what he was saying. He was saying, you can have the old cloak. I needed it when I was a beggar, but I'm about to be transformed. I'm not going to be the same. I'm never going to go back to begging again. He was done with his old life and he was ready for a new life. That's why when we baptize people in water, we say buried with him by baptism into his death and raised to walk in newness of life. Because once you're truly saved, your begging days are done. You're serving the devil is done. You're serving Satan is done. You're serving the lust of your flesh is done. Once you've really come to Jesus and Bartimaeus he knew, this is my moment of destiny. We can read that he became a sold-out disciple and follower of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that on receiving his sight, let me quote the words, he followed Jesus on the road. <laughs> he was thinking, if he opens my eyes... I'm following him the rest of my days. Folks, you weren't called just for heaven. You were called to follow Jesus every day in every way. In closing, it's worth noting that Jesus was in Jericho headed for Jerusalem when Bartimaeus was healed. And Jesus said, receive your sight. And suddenly this man got 20-20. And he saw everything beautifully and perfectly. And I've often thought the blind people Jesus healed, wouldn't it be so cool 
that the first thing you see is the face of Christ when your eyes are open. His eyes are open. And it says he followed Jesus on the road. We could say the road of discipleship, the road of life, the narrow way that leads to life. He followed Jesus. And boy, where they went was indeed a narrow way because from Jericho to Jerusalem, it was a tough road. Um, The road was 18 miles. The distance was 18 miles. And the road was uphill all the way. Perilous mountain trails they traversed. It was a torturous, treacherous road they went down. On top of that, in a little more than one week, Bartimaeus would personally witness three mind-bending, mind-blowing events. Palm Sunday, the crucifixion of the man that opened his eyes, and his resurrection from the dead. He experienced what we all do when we decide to follow Jesus. The road is tough and uphill. How many of you can agree with that? Anybody say, oh, walking with Jesus, no big deal. It's a piece of cake. You're not walking with Jesus, I know. Because Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have persecution. And this world is going to be tough. This is a world of warfare. Amen? And, and when you get saved, you've got a target drawn on your chest. And the devil's going to shoot arrows at you. But... But the reward so far exceeds the sorrows. Amen? So I want you to stand with me today. Is there something you need to lay down today? There have been so many times in my Christian life, I knew I had to lay something down to be able to move on. Come on, everybody. That old cloak, what is your old cloak? What is it? Is it a habit? Is it a person you shouldn't be running with? Is it um, just something that you, you like too much to let go of? And, you know, a good thing can get in the way of the best thing. There wasn't anything terrible about the cloak, except it represented his whole old life. And he said, in getting rid of this, I'm telling the world I'm not going back. So what, what is it? that you have a hard time laying down today. I've had hard times before laying down a grudge. How about that for an old cloak? Somebody does something and you think, you think this, you think they don't deserve for me to lay it down. I'm gonna hold this grudge and hurt them with this grudge. Every time I see them, I'm gonna give them the look. (laughs) But what you don't know is they've gone on. They're not worried about your look. But, but you're letting somebody else control you. And trying to hurt them, you're hurting you. But, but we don't know that because we're human. And so, so often we get caught in just hanging on to something. But there's Jesus saying, come to me. That's why he said, you better pick up your cross every day and follow me. Can I tell you real quickly before we pray, what's the cross? Is it God making you sick or something? Because people say, well, this is just the cross he's given me to bear. This, you know, this thing, this sickness, this affliction, well, he may be using the affliction, but, but watch this. That's not the cross. The cross is simple. Thy will be done, not mine. What do you say in the Lord's Prayer? Pray this way. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. 
on earth as it is in heaven. That's all it is. When it comes up against your will and God's will, you choose God's will, and that's the cross. When it comes to crucifying your flesh and walking with the Spirit or staying with your flesh and not walking in the Spirit, you pick up your cross and you say, I'm going to walk in the Spirit even though it hurts. And, and that's the cross. It's where your, your old will and ways dies on the cross. So we're going to pray. Let's lift up our hands to the Lord. I want you to say with me, Lord, I bring to you anything hindering me, slowing me down, keeping me from God's best. Grace me now. I choose now to lay it down. Lay it down. Just like Bartimaeus threw down the old coat, I throw down anything causing a drag on my spiritual life. With your head bowed, you can say, Jeff, I don't know that I know Jesus. I don't know that I know him. And I want to know him. Well, if you do it, it's, it's simple and difficult at the same time because you'll have to repent of your sin because your sin is taking you down. Your sin is ruining your life. Sin ruins everything. So you gotta repent and say, Jesus, forgive me that I've broken God's laws and I've sinned. And when you say that, Jesus forgives and Jesus makes his way into your heart and changes your life. And you never again turn to the roadside begging. So if you need Jesus, pray this with me today. If you need him, you know you need him. Pray this with me today. Say, Jesus, I believe you died for me to cover my sin, to wash it away. I place my faith in your shed blood. Forgive me my many sins. I turn to you as Savior in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.